Hey there, welcome to Authentically Raw. I'm your host, Jamie Barris. Today we have Alan Quistel on the Authentically Raw podcast. He's the author of Practice Intentional Acts of Kindness and Like Yourself More. Welcome, Alan. Hi, nice to see you. Thanks for having me on your show today. Absolutely. So there's so much more to you than just author of a book. There's more books and um, a platform. Tell us about yourself. Okay. So uh, practicing intentional acts of kindness and like yourself more as a result of a lot of work I've done over the years. My main job has been teaching the Feldenkrais method of somatic education. And in that, it's a movement technique based on learning theories. And I work with people with orthopedic, neurological problems, professional actors, dancers, athletes, and anyone who wants to have or promote a change in their self-image. And that's been my work for the last 40 years. And in addition to the book we just mentioned, I've written another book called Creating Creativity, Embodying the Creative Process, which is more about Feldenkrais and uh, creativity. Um, But this book that we're talking about now is something that came out of my work with Feldenkrais. In Feldenkrais, there are, there are two, two modalities within it. One of them is taught to classes. And I was putting together a workshop around self-image. And I started to think our self-image was really a reflection of how much we like ourselves or how much we don't like ourselves. And after a while, I started to think, you know, this is my job to help people like themselves more. And of course, I do it through the Feldenkrais method. I've been doing it that way. And one of the ways I explore it with people is in the quality of their movement, that they move in a way that they like the way it feels. And that's different because these movement lessons, they're different than regular exercises or sports or things like that. They're kind of fundamental ways of exploring movement. And I found when people practice liking themselves in this context, that it grows through the back door of who they are until they start to like themselves more. And then I thought, well, this is an intrapersonal process, something that happens within each individual. And I thought, how do I make it more interpersonal? And then one day I just had the insight that every time I do an act of kindness, I like myself more. And I don't do the acts of kindness to like myself more, But that seems to be the result. And I thought this is the perfect bridge, the segue to connecting with other people. And that's really what led me to writing this book and practicing kindness more and more and helping other people develop it as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I absolutely love your book. I it's it's so fascinating. We have so many things in common. And you know, one thing I'll start out with, I have so much I would love to cover. So we'll see how we're doing. You might have to be a guest again. The one thing just to start right out and even just on your words right now is the, you know, I, I find that the most kind people I know do have that self-compassion, that self-love. They like themselves the most. People that are not very kind, you can tell they just don't really like themselves that much. Yeah. And so where does a person start? Well, From my point of view, there's only one real starting place, which is being kind to and with ourselves. But oddly enough, that's not so easy. And and I can speak from personal experience that 
when I began writing the book, I'd gotten pretty far into it. And when I got to the part about being kind to ourselves, to myself, I got blocked for about five years. Mm. I realized I, there was a lot for me to learn about how I could be kinder to myself. And I meet many people who were very kind to others, but they can't be so kind to themselves. They can't receive things so easily. And so I wouldn't say it is one starting place because of course we can start with being kind to others, right? But if we don't make it kind to ourselves as well, it's kind of halfway there. It's not complete. And, you know, it, it's something that I meet many people who think they're kind who I don't think they're that kind or many people who don't think they're kind who I think are extremely kind. So really it's about our self-image and how we want to be in the world and the actions we want to take because that's the real definition of kindness for me is the actions that people do. Not the thoughts, not the things they say, that's all great, but really the actions that demonstrate kindness towards ourselves or towards others. Where should you start? With yourself or with others or at the same time? <laughs> Both at the same time. But, but I would say starting with ourselves because that's a higher level of challenge, but there'll be greater benefit from it. Because the more we can be kind to ourselves, the, the kinder we can be to others and the clearer we can be about kindness. Because then we understand it on a more personal level. So, you know, so it, one of the things I talk about in the book, and because someone else asked me this recently about where to start, mm -hmm. and where I find the best place to start if we want to be kind to with ourselves is with something really small that we can achieve over time. And in the book, I talk about an example of learning to brush my teeth well. Yeah. Really crazy. Right? I was 19, I moved out of my parents' house, and I realized I didn't do anything well. That was my self-image, right? And I thought, I'm going to do one thing well. And I thought about it for quite a while, and I came up with brushing my teeth, which was the only person who knew about it was me and the dentist, right? And, and so I started practicing this. And you know what was interesting about that? was all of the kind of negative thoughts that I would have about myself would start propping up around this pretty innocuous event that I was doing twice a day. Mm -hmm. And that as I improved with it, I realized I was teaching myself the skills to improve myself in other ways as well. So my recommendation in starting, really start with something really small that you can do over time that no one's going to judge you about or evaluate you, that you're your own judge, that you evaluate, evaluate yourself, and that you can slowly watch your development over something like that. I think that's a good starting place. Most definitely. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, right in the title of the book is being intentional, but it's, you know, being intentional, intentional with yourself, intentional with others. You really have to be aware of yeah. what it's like to be kind. And you talk a lot about self-compassion in there. So I kind of want to go there. I first, before I, I jotted down a lot of like different talking points. So I kind of want to throw them all out there and have you, I guess I'm going to say, put them in order that makes sense because there's probably a flow for you of the way things go. But um, 
couple of the things that I wrote down, just for instance, like with the self-compassion, I can go back to some of these. I, I found it really interesting about how, you know, a lot of people that don't have the self-compassion, they're always seeking outside of them for the approval and the acceptance. Yeah. Um, you have self-compassion, you compare yourselves to others less, you have less anger, um, you know, you just see things as you're just softer on yourself. And a lot of us, um, I, it just, I'll stop there. I'm going to, I just want to throw out a few things and have you take it away. But okay. I loved the part in the book where you also talk about listening to understand, not respond because, you know, people want to be seen and heard and understood. <laughs> um, you talked a lot about the blind spots. I do um, at some point maybe touch on the shoulder spasm story lady. Uh -huh. yeah, so yeah. At least that kind of stuff. Um, how do you want to start? <laughs> anywhere. I'm happy to start anywhere. I'll start with the idea of self-compassion. Mm -hmm. You use the word that was key to everything. You use the word awareness. Mm -hmm. Be aware of something. Because in order to grow ourselves in this way, we first have to become aware of what we're doing so that we can do what we want to do. If we don't really understand what we're doing, it's a funny thing. Like if I asked the question, if I had 20 people and I said, would you like to like yourself more? Everyone raises their hand. No one, no one doesn't want that. But if I said to 20 people, would you like more awareness? Some of them go, huh? Well, they have no, no idea of how to do that. So this idea of self-compassion, look, everyone, when we hear that word, we think, yes, I want that. Mm -hmm. But my discovery personally and my interactions with others show me that it's not so easy. It's like awareness. When people think about gaining more awareness, they think about being only aware of the good things. But awareness doesn't discriminate. Awareness shouldn't decide on everything. And then... There's even worse news about awareness. Once you start to become aware, it's irreversible. You can't become unaware of it again. So this path of self-compassion is one that I, I believe in the beginning, it feels like, oh, this is great. It's like learning to meditate. Oh, I can meditate. This is great. But after a few weeks or a few months, it starts to feel like this is work to do this, to do something like this. And I can think of, I have, in my, in my other work as a Feldenkrais practitioner, I have my graduates or other practitioners come to me sometimes and they say, my practice isn't what I want it to be. And I, we talk and I say, have you tried this? Yeah. Have you tried this? Yeah. Have you tried this? No. Try that and see what happens. And then they come back to me two or three months later and say, you know, it still isn't what I want it to be. And we have the same conversation Eventually, I get to the point, have you tried this? They go, no, try this. And this happens like three or four times until I always get to the same place where I say, have you tried this? And they say, I'm not comfortable doing that. And it's really interesting. The ones who do that thing that makes them a little bit uncomfortable, they succeed. And the ones who don't, everything stays the same. So in this investigation of self-compassion, I can pretty much say for all of us that we're going to come up against a mm -hmm. challenge that we have to be brave enough and courageous enough and wanting it enough to say, 
I'm going to be a little uncomfortable, even if it feels inauthentic or it's not me yet. We have to start there. So I think self-compassion is a uh, is a great thing. Now I'm going to go off on another topic you didn't mention because it's been my experience, which is I can say pretty much across the board all the things I write about in the book. I think I'm pretty good at. I've been practicing them for a long time. What I didn't expect, and this is again in the journey of self-compassion or any kind of awareness, is that the next step for me to become kinder is even more challenging. And I didn't expect that. I thought, I'm doing pretty good with all this stuff. But now I look and I go, wow, for me to be even kinder, I've got to learn how to do something that I really don't know how to do. Well, I right. don't know how to do well, you know. It's, uh, yeah, so, oh, you said a lot there. And I agree with the awareness part. And it's true. Once you become aware, sometimes it's like it's a blessing and a curse, right? You know, yeah. it gives you the opportunity to really ask yourself questions because that yeah. I think is like, you know, that's like the coach in me comes out and, you know, you talk about listening to understand versus respond. And if you can practice that on yourself, it's it's being aware, listening to your to yourself, not just your thoughts, but your feelings. What is your body trying to tell you? What does it mean? Be aware of it. Okay, I'm feeling this as I'm doing this or I'm in this place or I'm around this person. What is this telling me? You know, be just be curious. It's that awareness. And then you can live a better life based on that. Mm -hmm. I had to, I, you know, I, I don't know if this is backing up, but why have you ever been asked this question? Why? Why does anybody want to be kinder? Why, if someone is out there listening, thinking, well, what do I want to be more kind for? Yeah. It, yeah. Is it about them or about me? What good's going to come out of it? Why? Yeah. So, I mean, so look, I, 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 the book is about two basic ideas. It's about being kinder towards ourselves and others and liking ourselves more. And I believe, deeply, I believe that these are two fundamental fundamental biological needs for all of us. I don't know anyone who doesn't want to like themselves more. I know people who say, I already like myself, which is great, but would you like to like yourself more? And then it's a question of how that's generated. And mostly for most of us, I, for a large part of my life, it was generated out of external things, a haircut, a car, where I live, all the things, the clothing that I wear, which is great. Those are important things. But how do we generate it internally? And then the idea of kindness, again, you can, you can meet some curmudgeon who says, I'm not interested in being kind, but those are the exceptions. Most people, if given the choice about being kinder, they would jump at it. It's something that we really want. And like I said, I, and, and it's been studied too, that there's a biological aspect to it for us, that it's not just an idea excuse me, an idea that we have to do something in a certain way. And you said another key word as you were posing your question, making a statement, which was the idea of listening. Yeah. Now, that's something that listening to ourselves and listening to others. And as you mentioned, there's the kind of listening where I'm really giving someone my attention, right? Really listening without jumping in to want to say what I think, 
or my experience of it or something like that. And I'll tell you, it's not easy to do. In, in the book, I, I mentioned the work of a man named Marshall Rosenberg, who wrote a book on, and did a body of work called Nonviolent Communication. And I present that to my students as well. But the reason I present it to my students is not to learn how to be a good nonviolent communication practitioner, but to be a better listener. When someone's talking, to know how to listen to them. And of course, that also includes learning to listen to ourselves. And that means, do I know what I'm feeling? Do I know what I'm thinking? Do I know what I'm sensing? And the, the, this is, you, you know, the, the I, I kind of saw, talked at the beginning about the, the way I found my way into writing this book. But there was another thing, which I talk about in the book too, which had to do with my father. And at some point where he, first he ran out of money and that was a shock. And my brother and I had to support him and thank God we could support him. But then we developed dementia and we had to put him in a home. And I was never close to my dad. We had a really distant relationship. It was okay, but you know, if I called him once a month, it was a lot. And mm -hmm. Once we put him in the home, he was in Florida and everyone was going to New York for the summer and he was gonna be all alone. And I thought, no one's gonna, I started calling him every day. Mm -hmm. I don't know where I got the idea. And I did that for three years. Wow. And sometimes he didn't even understand what I was saying. He always knew who I was, fortunately. And um, I found that that, it was really like five minutes a day I developed it into a practice that I was able to continue doing it. When he passed, I would go, because I lived in California then, he was in Florida. In the morning, I'd wake up, I'd pick up, oh, he's gone, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. And then I started this thing of, of really thinking, giving someone your full attention for five minutes a day. Doesn't sound like much, but you know what? It's really hard. I used to have this with my dog. Okay, come here, Scott. I'm going to give you five minutes. And within three minutes, I was like, maybe I should check my email. You know, it was like I was distracted like crazy. And mm -hmm. so that's another kind of listening to do something like that, to really give your family, your friends, your attention. That's a gift to give someone a full attention, even for five minutes, I think. I think it's one of the biggest gifts you can give anyone yeah. is, is your attention. It's it basically says you matter and we all matter. Yeah. <laughs> I think as you grow in self-awareness, it, it makes it easier. It comes more natural to be in tune and aware of, you know, what someone is trying to communicate to you. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't seem like as much work, but it starts with first trying to listen to yourself. What, what am I trying to communicate myself? Because I think we live in such a like you say, you know, you're Russian, your, your dog comes up to you, I, I got to check my email, I have to do this, I have to do that. Our, our minds are like all over the place. We have so many distractions all day pulling us from everything. It's like, how can I be aware of anything? And I have to be aware of a million things, you know, how can I focus on you? And, but the, the, it's a practice and it does take work at first, but I really do think it is, I mean, it is very kind to yourself because it does help you slow down and, mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes me think of, I, I'm a quote junkie, so I like to turn everything into quotes. And I don't, I already have a quote kind of made up for today to put on Instagram. I can't remember exactly what it was, but as you were speaking, I, I just, I can't help but 
think over and over, just the, the kinder we are to ourselves, the kinder our world will be in simple terms, because it does start with us, because the people that are not kind to themselves, that don't really like themselves much, that is what is just projected. Mm. How can you truly like, love, and be kind to other people if we can't do that, you know, for ourselves? Yeah. You know, my teacher, Moshe Feldenkrais, he said, we know the statement that Jesus said, to love the other as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And he flipped it around and he said, love yourself as you love the other, which is interesting because most of us can love others more easily than we can love ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, again, you used one of my favorite words, practice. Mm-hmm. Something that doesn't just happen overnight. We, we need to get skilled at it and develop it and encounter the challenges around it and the successes around it. And, and learn that, oh, like for me, learning to like myself, I'm not, just because I wrote the book doesn't mean I'm done, I like myself, and I like myself. But I keep encountering more ways that, hmm, I would like myself more if I could be better at that or if I could do that in my life. And, you know, sometimes people ask the question, well, why not love ourselves? Why like ourselves? And I, I was taking a workshop once, it was called the Hoffman Process. It's mm-hmm. a very interesting, uh, about five days long, and you don't reveal who you are until the very end, so no one knows what you do or can make any you know, assessment about you like that. And at the end, I was describing what I do to some of the people, and this workshop is a lot about loving yourself. And I was talking with some people and I said, you know, Really, what I help people do is like themselves more. And they all said the same thing. They all said, Ooh, that sounds a lot easier than loving myself. And I thought, well, that's a good sign that we need yeah. to like ourselves. Yeah, we want to love ourselves, but that's a big one. Let's start with something more approachable, achievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, you can't ever get away from yourself, so you might as well like you, right? <laughs> no matter how hard you try, there you are, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with the self-awareness, um, you know, sometimes I wonder, because when you become self-aware, you also become aware of the negative things mm. that go through your mind about yourself, you know, how hard you are on yourself. We're critical, mm. we're this and we're that. And sometimes if we're just not really fully aware of it, you know, and we're kind of going through life on the autopilot, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're just avoiding it. We're shoving it down. Oh, I'm, I, I like myself. I'm just fine. But do you really? And when you become self-aware, you start to really notice your thoughts yeah. and your thoughts are your reality. Yeah. So I, you know, what do you do when you have these negative, critical, harsh mm-hmm. thoughts about yourself? I mean, because you do touch on in the book too, um, about like, you know, positive affirmations and things. And I am not big on the positive affirmations because sometimes I feel like we're just trying to convince ourselves to believe things that we don't. And when we feel worse about ourselves, yeah. I like to call it empowered knowledge, where is there are facts about yourself that it's knowledge and it empowers you to go forward in life. Like for instance, simple terms, I am worthy. It's a fact. You are worthy. You are worthy. Um, because you exist as a human being. So 
stating I am worthy is a fact. You might not feel it yet, but it will empower you to hopefully start to move forward. So what's your take on the, the self-awareness stuff and how do we move that and not get stuck in like, you know, toxic positivity sure. and how do we use it? Sure. So there's a lot of things you said in there. So the first thing is when I ask a group of people, if I talk about liking ourselves more and that's what we're going to be doing. And I ask the question, does anyone here who doesn't want to like themselves more? And they all kind of sheepishly smile. And I say, it sounds like a great idea, but what's the first thing that comes up when we think about liking ourselves more? And really for most people, what they think of are all the things they don't like about themselves. And that's that negative trap that pulls them down. So there we need to be especially kind and gentle to ourselves, mm -hmm. to be patient with ourselves, to not have too high an expectation. And the, the affirmations, I've never been big on affirmations too. And I even cite a study in the book about how affirmations can backfire. Yeah. You know, and if you think about it, I am worthy, I am worthy, I am worthy, I am worthy, I am worthy. I got 10 more minutes. I am worthy, I am worthy, I am worthy. And it, maybe for those 20 minutes, I'm worthy. But then I go out into the real world. So my idea is I can tell myself, yes, I'm worthy. But then I have to look for concrete ways of demonstrating that. And that's the practice, that it's something concrete. It's not enough to have the thought. The thoughts are great. And the thoughts precede the action. But without an action, we just loop around in the same conversation all the time over and over again. And the actions, some of them are relieving. Like, what? when I do that, I do feel more worthy. I do like myself more. I'm happier. Or when I do that, I go, this is hard. This is not so easy to do this. But, and then we come to the want. How much do I really want to change myself? How much do I really want to become the person I can imagine myself to be? And then we have to add into that a really high degree of patience. So for example, sometimes if I'm working with someone and they have a habit, whatever the habit is, it may be how they function in the world or something they do at work and they want to change it. And I always ask the person, how long do you think it'll be to change this habit? And I'm talking about deep, rooted habits that are very connected to our self-image and how we function in the world. And they say things like three weeks and I kind of chuckle. Well, they, maybe they'll say six months and it still makes me laugh. And I think, if you want to change something deep about yourself, if you want to be kinder, if you want to like yourself more, give yourself a year and a half to two years. And they always freak out. A year and a half, two years, that's way too long. I can't do I said, think about it. If you give yourself six months and in six months, nothing's different, you're miserable. But if you say, oh, six months, I have another year. You can breathe a little more easily. And after a year, it's still not quite what you want. You still have another six months. And usually with mm -hmm. that length of time, people actually are growing themselves enough that they feel like I can do this. I can succeed at this. I am worthy. And I could be more worthy. But these are, as again, it's, you know, the book is a workbook. It's not like just nice thoughts and stuff like that. That you can put in your toilet and read it every day. It doesn't matter, you know. This is something that you have to practice and do things. Yeah. 
And I, and I love that you said that because it, it is work and mm -hmm. we're working on, you know, this is our life and does, don't we want to be happy? Don't we want to like ourselves? Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, truly. I mean, yeah, what's yeah. the point of it? What's the point of going through life, you know, criticizing ourselves, being miser miserable? Take some time. If it takes a year or two, well, who knows how old you are now? If you felt the last how many decades of your life feeling pretty blah about yourself, mm -hmm. so a yeah. year or two is really going to put you out much because if you don't do anything in a year or two, you're not going to like yourself more you probably like yourself less <laughs> but you said it is a workbook kind of style too or you know there's work to do um and you do talk about some different exercises to do and not that we have to go through all of them but there are a few simple things but i want to point out the fact that um like the title of the book for instance i mean it's not random acts of kindness right. it's intentional so there's the key word is intentional and acts I think everybody really has to stop. That's a big little word and it means action. Like you gotta do something, right? <laughs> so intentional action, those two words. So if you're listening right now and today, right now, what are a couple good prompts of, I wanna be a kinder person, I wanna like myself more and I wanna be kinder and like other people more because let's face it, sometimes we just, I mean, there are people that go around and say, yeah, I just don't really like people. I mean, I know people that don't like people. So what are those intentional acts we can get started on? So the first one is the simplest one and it's the most all-encompassing, I think, which is, I talked about it in the beginning about moving in a way that you like the way it feels. Yeah. We need to practice this sensory experience that has a quality of pleasure that we can bring to ourselves. You know, when I ask people, when do you experience pleasure in your life? We make a list. Oh, when I go do sports or play an instrument or I'm with my partner or I have sex for some people or eating or sleeping or sleeping doesn't really count because we're not awake to know what's going on, right? Now, when I add up the number of hours a day that these things encompass, it's probably two or three hours a day. So then what are you doing the rest of the day? It's kind of like we spend most of our day not experiencing any sense of pleasure. And I'm not talking about some 1960s hippie state where everything has to feel good all the time, but to be able to inquire into ourselves, if I'm going to get up here and go into the other room, can I have the conscious thought that I'm going to move in a way that I like the way it feels. Mm -hmm. No one knows that I'm doing it. It's like brushing the teeth. It's the same kind of small thing that I can practice all the time. And it builds up. It adds up into something where I start to find, huh, I'm actually feeling good more of the time. You know, here's another question I ask people. It's just, when do you decide? I can ask you the question. I don't know if it's in the book. I can't remember. When do you decide to get comfortable? <laughs> it's in the book. <laughs> I have a hard time answering it because, okay, ah, of course you brought that up. I took a note on that because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about two things, anxiety and overwhelm. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty vulnerable. I don't, I don't tend to hold a whole lot back. Okay. Severe over here. I will get severe anxiety and I, I, it doesn't, I, I pile a million things on myself and have 
think I have to do it all, you know, right now. And I get overwhelmed. But, you know, even how you talk about the movement and things like that. And I know when I sit down and I did an energy healing session once and she even told me, okay, you're thinking, I'm telling you to feel like put your hand on your body where, cause I can, she asked, where do you feel the anxiety? Oh, hands down my stomach. She's like, well, that's great. Um, and so we're going through this, you know, dealing with the anxiety and how it feels and all of this, but I kept going back. Like I, I'm, I'm trying to think my way out of a feeling problem, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's very uncomfortable to feel overwhelmed and full of anxiety, but here are his, this is my practice and it's concrete action. See, I'm listening, I'm a really good student. I know what I do, I'm very self-aware. I keep telling myself, well, once you complete this, then you won't feel overwhelmed anymore. And then the anxiety will go away. So just keep going, 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 going. And they never deal with the anxiety and the overwhelm. And I have really had to, <laughs> discipline is the word that comes to mind. I've had to have a lot of discipline and yeah. self-talk. That is two words, slow down yeah. and so, feel it. <laughs> so, you, you know, the... Um... Oh, I want to say one more thing and be yeah. kind, but it is because it it's, I'm not being kind to myself by just keep going and thinking I'm going to power through it. Oh, and I'll deal with the anxiety and the overwhelm later. Like what? I, I can't give myself the gift to just feel good right now. Yeah. I, I mean, if this were one of my kids or my husband or anybody that I care about and they're coming up to me, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so anxious. I'm not going to say, well, you're 12th on my list, you know, yeah. go away. So why am I doing that to me? So, I mean, you said a lot of things there. We're now gonna, we're in therapy. I'm going to have to come back, I think. I, I hope I can come back. So, <laughs> one thing is, in the book, I talk a lot about self-image. And I talk about this idea of self-image that is comprised of our thinking, our feeling, our sensing, and our movement. Okay. Our movement is our actions. So, to be able to feel myself and change myself, it's possible. But it's a little overwhelming to change mm-hmm. how I think. That's even more daunting to change how I sense. Well, we don't know how we sense, but to change an action and movement is immediate and concrete. Mm-hmm. And any change in any one of those four aspects has the potential to change the other aspects. <clears throat> if I change how I feel, it can change how I think. If I change how I think, it can change how I feel. So yeah. I'm going to take us back to where I started with that question of when do you get comfortable, right? And so most people get comfortable when they're uncomfortable. Now, mm-hmm. think about that. That is crazy. That means we have to be uncomfortable before we get comfortable. Now, children are like that. Children are playing, they're drawing, they're doing things. They're in this position, that position. They never get up and go, oh, mommy, I have a stiff hip. Because they monitor themselves through their physical state of comfort. And we need to do that. And I'm really glad you brought up the idea of overwhelm because we all live in that sense. And I created a mantra and I was coming home from a trip in Europe where I'd been working for a month and I was very tired. And I started thinking in a week, I have to go to Australia and I got completely overwhelmed. And then this is the tricky part is catching us in that moment, that window that's really small to say, wait, is this a good time to be thinking about this? And I went, no, I'm stuck on a plane. There's nothing I can do. I don't have any materials that I can work with. Let it go. And I was good for about an hour. And then it came reeling back in again. 
And I was overwhelmed again. And I went, is this a good time to be thinking about this? And the answer again was no. And in fact, I've discovered that every time I ask myself that question, the answer is no. Stop thinking about this. Because the thinking doesn't get me through it. And I use that, that kind of mantra, not just for when I'm feeling overwhelmed, but when I'm not feeling 100%. If I'm feeling like, oh, I just feel kind of not so well today. My stomach's a little upset, but I'm trying to get things done. And I go, maybe this isn't a good time to get these things done, to give myself a little more respect and care to, to, to interrupt what I think I have to do. You know, I don't know if you experienced this. This was my experience during COVID. I was surprised at how many things I didn't need to get done. It was, okay. like, it was like so nothing was that pressing that I had to get it done. And all of this revolves around our sense of priority. So like we talk about your kids or your husband. Yeah, if your kids come in upset, that's a priority. That's something maybe I have to put away. Say, I have to interrupt this podcast. I'm sorry. That seems daunting, doesn't it? If your kid knocked on the door. But you know what? That would be the best, the kindest thing you could do to yourself and to others. And that would be such an example to the audience watching to go, wow, she really took care of herself and her family at that point. Right. Mm -hmm. And that that the, the, the thing about being overwhelmed is is a mistaken sense of priorities, I think, too. That yeah. we confuse and conflate all the things that we have to get done when in fact, you know, this is this is extreme, but in, in one of my programs in Australia, the, 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 there were 60 students in the class, and they were going to work with the public for the first time. And they were all terrified, filled with anxiety. And I said, look, what's the worst that could happen? Oh, and they started saying things. Well, they'll, the person will report, report <laughs> that to you. I said, that's not the worst. Uh, person will, uh, they'll get hurt. And I said, no, that's not the worst. Uh, you'll kick us out of the program. No, that's not the worst. I said, the worst, this is going to sound extreme for the listeners, so bear with me. The worst that could happen is the person would die. Well, you could hear a pin drop in the room when I said that. And I said, but now think about it. If the worst that could happen is someone would die, then them reporting you or me kicking you out or any of those other things, it's kind of not such a big deal, really, right? And that's where our priorities go crazy because... <laughs> No one's, died. God forbid someone dies, but no one's dying at that point. And that's what we can learn. We have to get a bigger perspective to understand where am I placing the value of this event, right? Is it so big that it encompasses everything? Or is it just a piece of a much bigger picture that I actually have control over? It's mm -hmm. my perception that allows me to make these choices and understand it like that. I'm not subject to the world demanding this. And of course, we all have jobs and we have to get things done and a boss and all that. But even with that, we have a lot more space to breathe into mm -hmm. a better feeling around ourselves than we generally allow ourselves. So it's funny that you say that because, um, you know, just with feeling balanced, because so many people feel burnt out. Mm -hmm. and just pretty drained, you know, all the time. And I think it is as simple as really listing your priorities, but then 
You know, I, I love the question, you know, what's the worst that can happen? I'll be honest. I have asked myself that question from a very young age and I say it a lot. And I know at first there are a lot of people like what, but it is the truth. It's, it's very calming and it's a good reality check. Like what's the worst that can happen? You know, is it death? Uh, no, you know, and, and with being overwhelmed or you really stop to think about it, like that you use the, the COVID example, because it did put into perspective of, I mean, the world did still revolve on its access. You know, when we weren't all out there scurrying around, we've kind of slowly, you know, allowed ourselves to get back to that in a lot of places. But sometimes, yeah, I mean, I think just stopping to pause and ask yourself your priorities is a really good realignment because I don't think a lot of us are truly, it goes back to that self-awareness. like. Is this, and you asked the question, I wrote that one down. Is this a good time to be thinking about this? I love that question. Yeah. Is it a good time to be thinking about this? Yeah. yeah. That would save us so much worry. <laughs> and look, the, the, we're, all, we're all subject to anxiety and things like that. Yeah. And, you know, there's two other mantras that I got from a therapist in there. One is, I'm driving around in a bad neighborhood. I got to get out of here. And that, that's the interruption. You know, and there needs to be the action of interruption that's immediate. It can't be a long thought process. Can, I, I know we're a little pressed for time. Can I read one thing to you? Absolutely. So this is a quote in the book. And I would say that this has been my challenge in the next step of me being kind. And the quote's from Ram Das, And he says, when you go out into the woods and you look at trees, you see all these different trees and some of them are bent. You sort of understand that it didn't get enough light, so it turned that way. And you don't get all emotional about it, you just allow it. The minute you get near humans, you lose all that. You're constantly saying you're to this or I'm to this, that judgment mind comes in. So I practice turning people into trees, which means appreciating them just the way they are. So I love that quote, and I found that that's my challenge that i go into my judgment mind i'm in an airport and i'm making stories about all the people around me good stories and bad stories right and now and i i was living with this for a while this quote and trying to understand how do i navigate this and i found out how to do it for me and that is if i catch myself making up a story i just go tree i don't say it out loud of course right right tree to myself and you know what it's like the whole image positive or negative just dissolves and i just see a person there so mm -hmm. i think that, that these things are interruptions that can change our perspective that can change our actions that can make us breathe more easily and happier and, and maybe the world around us responds that way too so yes i like that and it does let go of a lot of that judgment that easily pops into your head that again I, I go back to awareness some so many of us we go through our days and we're not even aware of how judgmental or critical we are to ourselves mm -hmm. to others it's just because we're not I mean we're thinking but we're not thinking what we're thinking <laughs> you know we're not thinking about what we're thinking about and if you really stop and do that it's oh tree <laughs> I like that yeah. tree 
Yeah. Okay, we might have to do another uh, interview sometimes. Be sometime because I didn't. I know the the blind spots and little things about deep connections and talking to strangers. Oh my gosh, I love talking to strangers and just I can talk to someone for ten minutes and I know all about their their whole life. Which I love that stuff and the whole shoulder. They, they, they love it too. Oh, it's fascinating. Yeah. I love to know where people are from and just. You know, what do you do, uh, you know, in your free time? And you get so much information. I can't tell you how many vacations I want to take just based on the people I've met and where they're from and what they do in their area, you know? So anyway, well, any recaps, any last words? No, I just think I hope that, that the ideas that we talked about today or the ideas from the book can help you find a, a gentler, kinder, happier life for yourselves. That's that's. That's the bottom line for me. And it's a must read. Oh, good. Thanks. Intentional acts of kindness. And you will like yourself more. So, but you have to do it, right? Action yeah. is intentional and you have to take action. It is work. So, but it's worth working for. So thank you so much, Alan. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking with you and I hope to see you again sometime. Thank you so much for being here as we kick off this podcast together. I really appreciate you joining me on this journey because I'm well aware you could be doing or listening to anything right now. Hey, if you enjoy the Authentically Raw content, please support the show by following, rating, and reviewing on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You can also follow me on social media for daily inspiration. Head over to my website, jamiebarris.com, to sign up for weekly transformation tips. Or if you're interested in coaching, I currently have three openings for one-on-one -on -one coaching. If you're looking for an empowering community, we'd love for you to join us in the Transformation Tribe, our group coaching membership. More info available on my website under the Life Coaching and Membership tabs. One last thing, I'm rooting for you. Be real, be raw, be authentic. <laughs>